Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. This is Will Strayhorn, and I am in studio with Miss Pomeranian. And again, we have our returning guest, my spouse, Mr. Justin Dante Gravely Strayhorn. Welcome to the show, ladies Woo! and gentlemen. Welcome back. Someone sent me this song a little bit earlier. I was like, I'm sure I'm sure they weren't playing on the show. Is that where I got my name from? Yeah. No, that's not where I got my name from, but um it when I listened to the song I was like it, it does describe me. I literally just came up with that name right before we started the podcast. <laughs> it just hit me. It just literally came out the blue. It was like summer rain. I was like Okay, and then I listened to the song, and it was about to be summer too. I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, I thought to set the summer on fire," and I did. <laughs> oh goodness! So, how's your week going? How was your weekend? Um, the weekend was okay. Um, I had nothing really, nothing too big happen this weekend. How about you guys? Um, what did you do? I don't think we, what did we do? I don't think, I know Sunday, I slept until 1.30 p.m. Oh. I, I know. I don't know. And then this evening, after I got off work this evening, I took another nap. And then yeah. your friend came in the room, told me, are you depressed? What happened? I depressed. I know they say sleeping all the time is a symptom, but I just keep sleeping. Sometimes I slept a lot this weekend. That I didn't do anything. I, I um intentionally stayed in the house this weekend. But it could just be your body catching up to you know if yeah. you've been on the go a lot or if you've been thinking a lot or going oh, through you know yeah. So sometimes your body just you know wants you just to lay it on down. Yeah, all of that. All of that. I'm going through all that. What did you say, Justin? Come on, it's not that. Okay, whatever. But yeah, other than that, this week is also a good thing. Anybody doing anything fun for, you know, the holiday coming up? And don't say what holiday, because everybody who I ask, it's like, what holiday? I'm like, okay, Labor Day? That's the holiday? I thought that, well, I thought our community was, I think that's, if you was asking people in our community, that might be why, because it was a rumor, like, a while ago, it was like, we can't, we're not celebrating Fourth of July or Labor Day or Memorial Day. That that might be why. But what was it Labor depends. Because that, that was about the classes, right? Or work. What was it about? What was I the reason boycotting Labor Day? Like I, I lose track. I don't know why they were boycotting. I don't know. I just remember them saying that we're not celebrating anything except for Juneteenth. So nothing before or after. I don't know. 
it's you know, it's just a trend that comes and goes. That might be it. Yeah. But, well, as long as you're um, getting paid for it at, at work. Yeah, um, I am. Justin, what are you doing? Well, I have to go out of town. My grandmother's favorite niece is having a trip together for the family. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to New Jersey to spend time with her. Um, I wish my one of her spouse was going to be there. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, He's going out of town. I um not going with those. I forgot, like, a lot of schools around here started back to yes. Monday. And in my mind, Tuesday. I was... Monday's a holiday. We're talking about last, yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of schools started back yesterday. And I was always thinking, you know, Labor Day is going to be a, a big salon day. And plus I'm taking off the weekend for the cruise that we're going on. So I was like, well, but as of right now, I only have one person on the boat. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I got my weeks mixed up. Isn't it like to come on Friday? Huh? Isn't it like to say they want to come on Friday? Well, she's getting, she's a bodybuilder. She's getting makeup at 8 o'clock. That's a, and that's the only one. Other than that, then I probably would have. I need to check with oh, my. Okay, it's Okay. Um, I don't have any plans. I was supposed to go to my mom's, but because um, our favorite uh, college football team, the, um, their season starts, but they're not televised on Saturday. So I'll be right now, though, let's give it up for mental health. I took some time off work, and I booked myself a Airbnb away. I'm not saying where I am, <laughs> but it's on the beach, and it's not nice out here. It's raining because there's a tropical storm. Like right now? Like right now, right now. Oh Your girl God. is in. Yes, I took some time. I took it, took it upon myself, and I took some time off. So I'm off from today until next Tuesday after the holiday. So I oh, said, let me. Yes. Oh, no. My best just threw me to the wolves, y'all. I, you know what? I admire that about people who can move silently and. Oh, when I, when I, as I told you, I have a few, just a few things, and I just tell everything. But I like it when people can move silently and. Hold on, this is the guest. But that was the guest who's about to call in. He's just confirming again. But okay. um, yeah, so that's good. You you got a whole week plan already done. It made moves. Well, I hope you have a good time. I hope you Thank have a good time. you. Yeah. So we have like a million and one topics to get started with. Um, let me see. You sent me a whole bunch of good ones, and I have done my my due diligence in uploading them. Um, Do you remember any of them, or do you want me to run through some of the names and you see which one you go over? Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. So you can. um, So are we doing the clips, or is that either one? one. Let's start with the clip, and then we can move into some of the ones you got, and then. Okay. 
Let's do that, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to find this right here. This okay. is the, the one that you did about the um, the, the underrated quality. You, it, the clip says in a woman, but we're going to open it up and just say in a person. Um, okay. Let me clip for you. What would you say is an underrated quality in a woman? What would I say is an underrated quality in a woman? You said it's going to be fun, but I have to be serious about this. Her freedom. Here's the reason why. That's something that a dude will find attractive? That's something I will find attractive. Unabashedly free to be who she is. She's free to be sexual. She's free to be enticing. She's free to be hurt. She's free to be sad. She's free to frolic. <laughs> you have to understand a woman who's free and still chooses you, that's a powerful sentiment. That's a powerful thing. I don't think enough men, that's why it's underrated, because I don't think enough men want to be chosen. Most, um, too many men want to be entitled. You see what I'm saying? But there's sexiness in being chosen and choosing. There's sexiness in that. The way you come at me every day, every single day. <laughs> the way you come at me every day for the D, that's sexy than a month. Like, but I think 
from his standpoint, because, you know, he's married to a woman, he was saying that probably seeing his wife, like, unabashedly herself and seeing her come keep coming back to him as she allows him allows her to go into the world is mm. probably amazing for their yeah, relationship. I, I, I like that. But so let's let's stay right there. So he said so freedom, freedom to be and then still choosing. So mm-hmm. freedom, like you said, that's to go out to be who you are authentically. Um, and I like that word authentically. I like that word authentic. Um, I think that in a relationship, it takes a while to get to that point. That's a dance. To yeah. me, or at least that's my experience, it's a dance to get the, to that point where you're 100% comfortable and feel safe enough to be yourself in a relationship. And then to be able to go out, be who you are, for the person who knows who you are, number one, and to be who you are, go out, and then like you said, you still come back and you choose them, you're out in these streets, and anything can happen. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it, but you, you still know what you have at home is, is good enough. I had read a, a meme. I was in a, I'm in a group, and they said that um, it was something about the fact that there's nothing more faithful than a faithful man. I know men probably get the rap all the time about being more unfaithful or opportunities to approach them. More of them probably fall for the bait more so yeah. than women probably. But just for a man to choose his wife, to choose his spouse or his significant other, that is, to me, when I read that, I was like, oh, that is so attractive. That is so sexy. Mm-hmm. What, what do you say about that? Uh, yeah, the Lord, I what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, what we were saying, the most, the underrated quality in a person. I was talking about it. He said, for her to freedom, just for to be herself, you know, and go out and be herself, frolic. You kind of like um, someone was saying, one hundred percent authentic, no pretension, just being himself. And then at the end of the day, you feel the whole future. So why the outward? Why the whole point? Well, you know, I'm a bad boy. Why that? I, I mean, but. No, you can. I was saying an example is like allowing, like if something that she loves to do, like say she loves to go and work out at a workout, you know, group on Wednesdays. You don't mm. give her no hassle. She goes every Wednesday. And you don't have no expectation of her coming home to cook or anything, but she goes out and she still comes home, takes her shower, and still cooks dinner for you guys. Because there's no, there's no like, um, uh, you know, bubble around her to say, where you going? Why are you going there every Wednesday? I need to spend time with you. know what I'm saying? You allow her that time to be herself, to go out and do something that she loves to do. And guess what? She's going to come home and still you know, be your significant other. Like, yeah. come home and still cook for if there's a family or cook for you and her. Or you may cook. You know, like, there, it's just it's that, that freedom to allow the relationship to, to kind of ebb and flow, to go how it yeah. goes. There's no pressure, no... Yeah. 
So it's not necessarily going to, it don't have to be going to the club. It could just, just allowing someone, a man to go out and, you know, work out with his buddies or watch the game and he still comes home or calls you and says, hey, I'm stopping at the store, you want some chips or something, because that's just, you know, you allowed him to go out and have his space and have his time, and now he's thinking about you. That's just, that's beautiful to me. Oh, my God. Okay, thank you. So this, you know how you and I, we are, like, joined at 100% pretty much. But how it was last week when you told me that you were going out for Tina, and you went out and and you went out to the beach, and y'all had fun and did whatever, and then, you know, it was fine. And then when you called, came back, you called me, you was like, what do you want me to bring you to eat? Because you had already ate. That was just, to me, because that's so abnormal for us to do. But I looked at I, I thought about the whole situation, and I smiled. So I was like, okay, for us, to me at least, that's gross. Because I know, mm-hmm. like, the time before when I went to Ronnie Easton, it was a big issue because I stayed out a whole long time. Well, no, 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 no. It was not an issue. You told me you would come back at a specific time and you was bringing me food back. No, no, uh-uh. You won't tell the truth. Man. It won't no issue. I'm just bringing up there. I yeah. know, but yeah, it won't issue because I, I didn't care how long you stayed out. It was just chicken. But it's just the freedom for you to say, okay, I'm going to go do this. And, and not to be an issue like, okay, well, what about cooking? Why am I going? Why am I supposed It was none of that. It was just freedom for you to just go do you. Now, I know that happened have felt good that you were enjoying your friend, I don't know if he was like watching your box or whatever, but there. I don't know. I, 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 I yeah, but it was just, I mean, to me, I appreciated that moment. And I think that's, that, that is for us. That's, that's the epitome of him choosing you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, it was good to get out, help a friend out, Yeah, I just don't like the word allow Separate bedrooms. 
So I was going through this couple's um, Instagram, and they've been married for, I believe, like, over a, over 10 years. So I think going on 15 years or whatever. But, like, for the last three or four years, they have um, – so due to – let me back it up. Due to um, sleeping issues, like snoring and things like that, so basically – the husband was snoring very loud, and the wife couldn't sleep, so she, mm-hmm. you know, moved to the other room, and then she kind of permanently parked herself over to the other room. So they still, like, have their time in each other's room, you know, mm-hmm. spending quality time, mm-hmm. marital intimacy and all that type of stuff, but they also retreat back to their own room when they want to, or if they don't want to sleep with each other that night, they'll sleep separately. Mm-hmm. So she said, my husband and I sleep in separate bedrooms, but every day he sneaks into my room and makes the bed for me because he likes for me to have a comfortable place to relax after I work. I so oh. appreciate that. And she said she every time he does that, she surprises him. And she goes and she runs into his room and gives him like a kiss and a thank you. And, you know, basically appreciation for doing that for me because, you def- you know, you didn't have to come to my room to do that for me. How do you guys that's, feel about that? To me, I mean, with those, with, with, in those circumstances, I think that that's good. That's a strong marriage if you can do that. Um, I know people who, because of whatever, like medical reasons, um, the, like the scoring, all that kind of stuff, they speak in separate rooms. Um, I even know, like, if, you have a bad situation come up, you know. Yeah. You cool down. You go in one room. I go in one room. Tell us, tell us all right. At least you're not leaving the house. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. What do you think? Hell to the no. All right. Hell to the no. Your ass gonna sit in this damn bed whether you want to or not. Because once you start sitting on the bed, that ain't no. And I'm a Scorpio. That ain't good for me. Once you talk to me, no uh-huh. Sorry. I can deal with your snoring and every damn thing else. I don't care if you're sitting to machines. I'm going to lay right beside your ass. Somewhere. <laughs> what do you say? Oh, God. <laughs> this happened to me before. And the same thing that um, Justin just said was told to me. Like, if we, if we continue to sleep separately, then... We don't need to be together. I didn't agree personally because if I, if one person is a very light sleeper and the other person has like a bunch of things going on with their sleeping, like why mm-hmm. should one have to suffer because of that? Like why should I have to just, just in order to prove that I'm married to you, I have to sleep next to you every night. That doesn't mean that I can't come in there and we do what we got to do and then we cuddle and then we go our separate ways. Cause once you go to, once people are sleep, sleep, you know, <laughs> people get loud with the snoring. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I I don't I don't agree with that. Like if that one thing does not determine our marriage, and nobody knows that unless you tell them that we're sleeping separately. You know, like yeah, so. What's right. where's the shame coming from? Where's the? I don't get. I don't agree, but okay. that's just me. All right. All right. Well, it looks like our, our guest is in the chair. We have one more topic before we get to him, though. Um, so, you know, I'm a big Michelle Obama fan, and mm-hmm. I can't say nothing about it. 
Um, and she was talking about, we were, I think some time ago, I don't know if it was in the salon or perhaps here at the house, talking about uh, relationships and marriages being a 50-50 thing. You know, and the question was, you know, how long is marriage? Is marriage really 50-50? Um, but I ran across this interview where she had, and um, she wanted some good points. I want to ask you guys a question. And then um, I want to talk to you about it. Hold on, let me see if I can find that. married um, after having dated for nine years nine years and then we got married and I remember um, there was another couple that was around the same age as us but they had been married um, several years longer and they were like the it couple right they did everything together they were always together they were in ministry together everybody loved them everybody wanted to be like them and I remember for so many years comparing my marriage to their marriage because the first few years of our marriage was so difficult for me and I would compare. Even when Gerald and I would have arguments, I would be like, well, why can't you be more like so-and-so? He's always with his wife, and they do everything together. And, you know, why can't we be more like that? And I remember before they um, ultimately divorced, they went through a period of separation. And during that time, I heard my husband having a conversation with that husband. And my husband was like, what's going on? You guys seem so happy, like you had it all together. Like, you know, we've watched you for years. And that husband said to Gerald, he said, we've never had what you and Tammy have. And that stuck with me because I have spent so many years comparing my truth of a real life marriage that I'm trying to navigate to a narrative that they have been very intentional about creating and presenting to the world to look as if they were happy and perfect. And so I just wanted to tell somebody that's struggling with their marriage, and you may even be comparing yours to somebody else. We never know what's going on. Marriage is hard, right? Just love your spouse, do the work, and enjoy. So I think you said, did you send me that one? Yes. Okay, yeah. So what do you think about that? I'm a person who I, I, I'm guilty of. I do see couples, especially people. I told you I need to get off social media. But I'm a person mm-hmm. who I see people on social media, and I'm like, oh, look at this. They're always doing this and that. They just look like the couple, like they said. And um, then I've had times to, you know, I was like, what's going to get close to couples and see, you know, like in their home and be like, oh, this ain't what I saw on the outside at all. And it helped me just appreciate what I have. What about, what about you? I don't get Like, I admire, like, of course, everyone admired Barack and Michelle, um, mm-hmm. but I admire them for, you know, different reasons outside. Well, I admire them for being a black 
married longevity couple, but also being, you know, president and, and the things that they were standing for more so than anything. Like, I like that dynamic of them, but there was nothing. I liked Oprah and Stedman's. Those are my couple goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It's got to be stressful on the person, like the guy, like on the, on the clip when he was like, the husband said to her husband, you know, we, I wish we had what basically what they had. I know with yeah. my, um, my, prior to Justin, my ex, we were together for 15 years. And we were like very well known in the community because we were more active. But we were, people used to always say that. And I knew that it was a lot of mess going on at home. But we were tight that both of us was caught up on image. And whenever we left the house, you know, you would think that about, think that about us, that we were relationship goals. So I know how I did deal with the stress of, and then when we broke up, a lot of people couldn't believe it. They're like, "What? You thought this and that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no." Uh-huh. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But um, we're gonna take a quick break from um, our table topics, and our guest is in the studio, Mr. Paul C. Thornton, and he wrote a book called "White Man's Disease." I'm gonna leave that right there. We'll be right back in a few moments with Mr. Paul C. Hey y'all, Cedric the Entertainer here with Niecy Nash, taking a break from shooting the Soul Man to introduce you to Patience. Hi! Patience is a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for anything because all a family should worry about is helping their child live. St. Jude won't give up until they end childhood cancer, sickle cell, and other deadly diseases. Because of you, there is St. Jude. Learn more at stjude.org. The odds of becoming a signed artist and having four number one albums, one in 100 million. The odds of going on to win seven Grammy Awards, one in 1.4 million. The odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism, one in 68. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Autism Speaks, it's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Okay, so we're in the studio with Mr. Paul C. Thornton. He's an independent writer who began his writing at 58 years old and created by the task of delivering a father of the bride speech at his daughter's wedding. Um, since then, he's written three more books all about his passion of cruising. Um, he has a fun popular podcast called The Joy of Cruising Podcast. Paul's remarkable resurrection is a story of hope, resilience, and the essential American dream of realizing one's full potential. Poignant, sad, tragic, funny, compelling, white man's disease is a redemption story for all ages. We want to welcome to the show Mr. Paul P. Thornton. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for being here. Uh, when my sister showed me your 
your um, pitch that you had pinned. I was like, what? Man, that is a catchy title. I definitely wanted to find out more about this book. And then when I um, did my little research, I saw that you love cruising as well. And I'm getting ready to go on a cruise uh, in a couple weeks, um, actually, on the Carnival Celebration. You been on that before? I've been on its sister ship, the uh, Carnival Mardi Gras. Oh, yes. We did that last December as well. So that's the sister ship. Yeah, yeah. What, they look alike or something? I'm sorry? Meaning, you said that's their, the sister ship. They look alike? Yeah, they're exactly alike. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're virtually identical. Um, did you go, when you went on Mardi Gras, did you ride the roller coaster? Yes, we did. We did. Yes. Okay. Yes, we did. I okay. can't wait to do, I can't, I can't wait to do that again. Well, yeah, so, to get into your book, um, just looking over your information, it said you went from, you said you wake up, not a writer, and go to bed a writer. Explain that to us a little bit. So, on uh, December 7, 2014, uh, uh, my oldest daughter got married, and of course, you know, she had been uh, reminding me uh, incessantly for the previous few months that, that I had to give a talk at the wedding, and uh-huh. it's not something I was looking, not something I was looking forward to. to. I, I don't like public speaking. Um, I'm actually pretty good at it because my background is in corporate and then, you know, higher education administration. So, right. so I can speak publicly, but I just don't like it. And so I I, 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 I finally said to my daughter, grudgingly, well, what am I supposed to talk about? And she said, talk about memories of me growing up. And so I did. And, you know, I did all of the standard uh, 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 daddy-daughter stuff. You know, I talked about proms and first boyfriends and, and uh, uh, sports team, high school sports and all that stuff, Disney World. Um, but, you know, if I really was going to make the talk authentic, I, I felt like I had to talk about the most powerful memory that I had of my daughter growing up. And uh, and so I did, and 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 in the process of talking about that, you know, I shared things that I had never ever shared before. So for the most powerful memory, when she was six years old, um, I was I was 29, and I had a sudden uh, medical calamity, and. Uh, Doctor told me. Uh, I guess he he thought I wasn't going to uh, to do what he said because he said if you don't do this, you'll be dead in six months. Oh, wow. And uh, of course, my wife was sitting there crying. And, you know, I, I I was thinking in my mind, this this guy's not touching me uh, to say something like that. But right. uh, but, but, but but anyway, uh, so I went ahead with the uh, with, with with the situation. I had a I had a brain tumor. And, and and so I saw another guy. I went to New York. I'm from New York. This was in Delaware. So I, I went home and and I saw a doctor in New York on Saturday. Uh, and I was I was admitted on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 
that's how fast they, they kind of had to move. And, and so anyway, I went through the surgery. It was a 12-hour surgery. Uh, it was it was it was a big deal, and I lost a lot, some some temporary, some permanent, uh, and 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 I, and I had to uh, recover what I could, and so I had to relearn to walk, and so every day, uh, my six-year-old daughter would, 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 would grab my hand, and I'd have a cane in my other hand, and we would walk my mom's neighborhood in, in New York, and so you know. Nothing compares to that memory. And right. so in the, in, the talk, in the talk, I started talking about, I, I, I talked about that. And then I had to give it some context. And so I talked about, you know, uh, some of the things that, that, that changed as a result of, of the operation. And that's when I shared things that, you know, I knew probably three-quarters of the people in the room. Uh, and I shared things that I had never, ever shared publicly. You know, I lost I lost my hearing on one side. I lost my sight on one side. Um, I lost my, my sense of taste. My right side of my face is paralyzed. Uh, but the more, the more I talked, the, 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 the better I felt. I could feel this burden lifting off my shoulders as I spoke. And uh, by the end of the talk, uh, as, they, as they say in Hollywood, uh, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, I said, I gotta, I gotta recapture that feeling. Right. Um, I, I felt, I felt liberated. Uh, and so, when I went home to my, when I went to my hotel room that night, I started writing my memoir, uh, and, and White Man's Disease. And uh, so that's what I mean when I say I woke up one day, uh, not a writer, and I went to bed a writer. Okay. Uh, and how long ago was that? Uh, uh, that was 1985. So I was 29, and, you know, I had uh, pretty much uh, repressed or held inside a lot of things, you know, for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Now, some things, some things were pretty obvious. Uh, you know, I, when I smiled, I had a crooked smile. I've had this is this is no exaggeration. Uh, well, I, I, I probably have had fifteen plastic surgeries, reconstructive surgeries. Um, you know, because I, initially I couldn't I couldn't drink. Um, beverage. I couldn't drink uh, liquids. Uh, mm-hmm. My eye, my eye was uh, was was closed for like two years. I, I know mm-hmm. all of this sounds kind of morbid or gory, uh, but you know that that's what I came back from. So so some people you know knew I had had an issue because right. you know some, I, have, I have you know I have about a five inch scar on on my neck. Uh, so that's below my hairline, and then I got about another five inches of, you know, it's like a ten-inch scar. So, you know, if you're behind me, you can see my, my beauty mark. Uh, so, but that's where the book, uh, that's, that's how the memoir originated. Okay. Okay, so um, can I just ask? Um, when you set, when you went ahead and released the book and things like that, 
what was the reaction to the book? What type of reactions were you receiving? Um, I got a lot of reactions to the book from the people who read it. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of the reaction I got some of the reaction I got was from the provocative title. So, you know, I have a website, and, and you can make comments on blogs and things like that. And, you know, I got I, – I, I, I received some, some unbelievably racist comments. Because I think that when people, when people heard the title, I think there was an assumption that this was a book slamming white man. And that had nothing to do with it. You know, obviously there's a reason for the title, uh, but it wasn't about it wasn't about Slamming White Man. If you read the book, if you look, if you picked up the book and read the very first paragraph, uh, you will you would hear where I first heard it. I first heard it. I was watching a basketball game of all things, and and this was in the seventies. <laughs> And one of the commentators, a white man, made a comment about white man's disease. And, uh-huh. and I almost fell out of my chair. I said, what did he say? I mean, if a black man had made that comment, he'd have gotten fired. Uh-huh. Um, uh, this, was a, this was a well-known uh, sportscaster. Uh, you're probably younger than me. I don't know if you remember. He's, you know, his name's Don Crickey. And... Uh, and, uh, and so that always stuck with me, that term. But, but the context that he was using it in had to do with the basketball game that he was calling. So, so, so the book, the reaction was odd. Uh, there was obviously all of my, uh, a lot of my friends and family wanted to read it. Uh, when I would go to, you know, book fairs, book shows, and all that, um, a lot of, a lot of black people. Uh, were intrigued by the title, but I will tell you, a lot of a lot of white people were intrigued by that as well, and, and they bought the book and shows and things like that. I, I've been to some shows. I, I used to live in Florida when I wrote the book, and I went to a show that was in a in a part of Florida where you know there was no white, no black people, and, and I sold I sold lots of copies that day. Uh, so, but but. but People who, who don't know anything about me or know anything about the book, you know, online, everybody's brave online. Uh, they talked a lot of trash. But so with the title, and by the way, your phone is, your voice is like coming in and out, so I'm not sure if it's next. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, I'm That's probably, okay. uh, I have a bad habit of rocking, and I'm probably rocking back away from my uh, mic. Sorry. Oh, okay. That's okay. So, listen to what you just said, but like when I said when my assistant brought your, your pitch to me, when I saw a white man's disease, that was just an eye catcher. And all types of visions and thoughts went through my mind of what the book could possibly be about. But like you said, it, it, it's not about that. So, I mean, what made you finally decide that that's going to, because you had to have predicted that there was going to get a lot of reactions from people, uh, white men's I thought it was a book like about oppression or something dealing with racism, like you said. But you know, what made you finally decide that that's going to be the title of the book? So, so uh, 
you know, like I said, I heard, I first heard that term in the seventies and kind of just found it away. Uh, and then my, my situation uh, started in in in, in the eight, in eighty five, and as I got deeper into my situation, uh, the title fit perfectly, even though my book has nothing to do about basketball. You know, I first heard it in the basketball context. And by the way, uh, in, in the basketball context, it comes from this notion, you heard of the movie White Men Can't Jump. Right. So so, so it comes from, from uh, that notion that white men can't jump. And, and so during this basketball game, a, a, a white guy missed a dunk. And, and the announcer said, he missed the dunk. He missed the dunk. He must have white men to do. So that's that's the context. Oh. Okay. Okay. And so and so and so it was such a novel term. It stuck with me. And then uh, it had it it, it it fit with my medical situation, even though you know that's not right. You know, I, obviously I knew nothing about. It what kind of medical situation I was going to incur 10 years later. Uh, and so when I when I was going to get the book published, I got it published. Uh, he, he, he was a, a black, a, you know, a small, uh, small shop in, uh, in uh, Punta Gorda, Florida. Uh, and when I walked in to meet him, meet with him, um, the first thing I said is, uh, the name of the book is going to be White Man's Disease. And I'm not changing it. Just like, just like that. And uh, and, uh, and 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 that was the beginning of, of a great relationship uh, with that gentleman. So, but I was I was I was dead set on on keeping that title because it fit so well uh, uh, with, with the book. What happened? Just just to solve the mystery for you. You know, after, uh, you know, in the first few days in the hospital, they had to run all kind of tests to see what I had, what was wrong. And, and then finally, they, they, they figured it out. And I was talking to the doctor, and he said it was, he said, I had an issue that typically affects middle-aged white men. And, and I looked at him jokingly, and I said, damn, I got white man's disease. Uh, so, 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 so if you were reading the book, like I said, you would, you would, you would be white man's disease in the first, first paragraph. It's not until maybe midway through the book when it comes together. Why is this book called White Man's Disease? Okay, gotcha. But it was a good hook. So, so, so I was I was trying to be clever, uh-huh. and I wasn't going to let you know I wasn't going to let. Uh, I mean, there are books that come out. You know, uh, 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 her name escapes me, but one of my favorite political pundits. You know, she wrote a book uh, recently called What's the Matter with White People? Best Sellers. Another book came out recently called White Trash. Bestseller. Um, 
Now, I know that they are celebrities and they are known and they can get away with that. Uh, and I couldn't. But, mm-hmm. but uh, so. Okay. All right. <clears throat> okay, Summer. Awesome. All right. So just to kind of pivot a little bit, so it looks like you have possibly a um, another um, book out. It's a trilogy. So how did you say, um, basically switch from various, like your serious um, memoir, The White Man's Disease, to The Joy of Cruising trilogy? So, uh, good question. So, so what, what writing white man's disease did was convince me that I love to write. And so, and so, you know, after white man's disease, you know, it, 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 it wasn't a surprise that I found something to write about. Um, in uh, 2018, I was, I was taking my family on a, on a cruise, a family cruise, extended family cruise, you know, my daughters and my grandchildren and my son-in-law. And, uh, and I started researching uh, for the cruise. I wanted to do it right because it was a, a family Christmas gift. And, and, and you know, we found the cruise. But, but in the course of researching, I found that there were a lot of interesting stories in the cruise community, uh, you know, from, from blogs and Facebook groups and all of that. And, uh, and, and so... You know, nobody really, there was nowhere I saw, no one was, was kind of conveying those stories to, to, to readers, to the cruise community. And so I came up with this idea to write a book that would be sort of a compilation or a compendium of stories by fascinating cruisers. Um, and the book was a great success, and it was, I had a ball writing and I had, I had some I had some celebrities in the book. Uh, I have a, I have a Grammy winner in the book. I mean, you probably never heard of him, but he won a Grammy. Oh, I, I've had uh, 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 you know not, a number of people, some people that you can Google, but then yeah. I had other people who were just ordinary people with extraordinary stories. And so and so that's that's what got me. I just knew that I wanted to write, and cruising was my passion. So I put. Two and two together, and I wrote the cruising book. But it was so well received, and it was so much fun to write that I, I, I started a sequel, and I initially called it "More Joy of Cruising." The first one was called "The Joy of Cruising." Mm-hmm. And this was called "More Joy of Cruising," and then COVID happened, mm-hmm. and you know, pe- people started dying all around me, and of course, I stopped writing. Uh, you know, I, I just. I couldn't write. Uh, so I stopped writing for a few months. Um, I did get back into it, obviously. Uh, but, you know, people were still still dying, and, and there wasn't a lot of joy in the world. And so I said, I can't have a book come out, you know, with joy in the title. So I changed the title to Cruising Interrupted. And it actually was released when no cruises were happening because we were totally locked down. Right. And, and then my final uh, cruise book, kind of a celebration of the fact that cruising is back because, frankly, I, I wondered if cruising would even survive uh, the, the COVID shutdown. Uh, and so I wrote a book called The Joy of 
that would be it on the cruising books. I don't want to write cruising books for the rest of my time. Yeah. However, I'm still very passionate, and and especially interviewing uh, fascinating personalities from around the world. And yeah. so I said, well, the way the way I can continue to do that is start a podcast. And so I started uh, right after I completed the the, the third book. I uh, launched the Joy of Cruising podcast, oh. and, and and I'm having I'm having a I, it's like I found a new another passion. I'm having yeah. a ball. Yeah, this is, podcasting to me has been like a healing source of me connecting with other people and being able to just basically talk about whatever I want to talk about. And for you, it seems like a natural ex- extension. You, you fell in love with, with writing after you did your speech at your daughter's wedding, and now podcasting seems like a very natural next step for you. So what, what do you have planned yeah. for the future both, the writing and the podcasting? So, so uh, I'm actually going to write a sequel to White Man's Disease. Uh, it's, called, it's called Gracefully, you know, uh, as in aging gracefully. Um, and and that's not going to come out for a couple of years. But what I am going to do in the interim, and I'm real excited about this, uh, is I'm going to have a podcast, uh, and I'm going to call it Gracefully, mm-hmm. the sequel of the book. Um, and I, I don't have much to talk about with Gracefully because, like I said, it's not going to come out for a couple of years. But I'm going to have, like, a limited series called you know, within within the Gracefully podcast called White Man's Disease Deconstructed. Okay. And so what what I'm gonna do is is read excerpts from the book and 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 number one, discuss what was going through my mind at the time. But also discuss, you know, the issues of the day. You know, I mean there's a lot in the book about affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the time, at the time that I got sick, you know, I was a corporate executive, so I do talk about that, you know. Uh, uh, so it's just because I think the book was so misunderstood, um, you know. I, I want, I, I want to do this. That would be good. So, is there anywhere so, online? So, uh, I'm sorry. Can- is there anything, is there anywhere online, you have like a website or something where people can go to to get more clarity on the book and the purchase? So that they can yeah, real, yeah, so I have, yeah, the website, the website is called Uh Right now, uh, the book is sold on Amazon in ebook form only. You can order a paperback from the website, although I will tell you that the count is really, really low, but I have a I have an order pen, you know, an order coming. I just don't I just don't know when it's gonna get gonna gonna get here. Uh, but I do have uh, a replenishment coming. Okay. So, you know, I definitely can't start that podcast until until I, I get more books in because, you know, I know the podcast is going to generate some sales. That's not really what, what my purpose is for, for starting the podcast, but I know that that's going to be a, a side benefit. Yeah. 
a work in progress. So, yeah, we, we can't wait to see all the things that are going to come from you, like you said. And I'm in that category, too, gracefully. I don't know if he's gracefully or not, and I'm growing older. So I, can't, I can't wait to tune in to your, to your podcast um, when you finally release that. Uh, I want to thank you so much, um, Mr. Thornton, for coming in. As a cruiser, as a cruiser, check out the John Cruiser. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, know, you don't you don't you don't have to you don't have to be a hardcore cruiser. Uh, in fact, Thursday we have this episode coming out. Have you ever heard of a festival at sea? No, well, it's it's the oldest and most successful African American cultural cruise. And on Thursday, uh, we have the founder. And, I mean, it, it is, she is just fascinating. And, uh, you know, check it out. If you get, get a minute, I, I think you will, you will enjoy it. Okay. She's a, she's a, she's a such, she's a such a person. I, I joke online, she'll be in textbooks someday, except in Florida. Okay. I would definitely, I just wrote that down. I would definitely look into that. I got one last question for you. How many cruises have you been on? Um, uh, less than 30 and more than 20. That's a lot of cruises. You like the water. But you know, I I interview people who who have been on a thousand cruises. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I have seen it, almost seen it all in in cruising. And and that's, I I think that's what's, the show is off to a great start. You know, it's only been on since the beginning of February, but it is, uh, it's killing it. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm definitely going to tune in because this is like, I think our fourth cruise or whatever, but I'm enjoying it. So I, I would love to listen to some of your guests and, and find out more about this, this joy of cruising podcast. So I want to thank you for coming on the show. All right. Well, thank you for having me and, uh, all the best to you. You as well. Have a good night. All right. Bye-bye now. I can only imagine going on 20, more than 20, less than 30, but that's pretty standard. How will we get to the book? I don't have a cruise in business. Oh, there's a
Yes, the lady who lost her jewelry. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. You want to do that one? We can. Okay. All right. So, basically, kind of scrolling through uh, um, Instagram, I saw, like, a, a topic. It says, woman loses Rolex street gambling then attacks her boyfriend for not getting it back for her. So basically, do you guys agree or disagree? If you are gambling and you lose, like, something very expensive because you're gambling, do you expect either one of you or your significant other to get it back? Try to win it back or... That's just and that goes for the same. You get into her acting ignorant and get yourself involved in something. Don't expect me to come and be hooked hurtfully. Did he do it? Did he fight the guy to get her role back? No, she started basically, she began, he was, basically the video shows her attacking her boyfriend, basically calling him all kinds of names and saying that he needs to attack the person who took the Rolex as if he took it. He didn't take it. Like She was gambling, and she lost it right. But then she got mad at him and began attacking and, and, and putting her hands, you know, domestic violence type of situation because he refused to um, take it from the street person, whatever they are. Was the, was, did she look like she – was it the video? Yes, it was a video, yeah. It was a video. Um, she didn't appear to be no. Not not that she may have had drinks, but there was no stumbling. She was very in her right mind. And a little bit of me like judged a little bit. It looks like she probably like they she probably has, you know, uh, attacked him before, the boyfriend before. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he has no obligation to engage in her foolishness. She lost her Rolex, poor thing. Um, I guess she had to save up for another one. So I might get <laughs> shot or stabbed by how you act like an ass. Damn. What do you say? Right. She lost her Rolex. She lost her Rolex. She wanted her boyfriend to go basically fight the guy to get it back. She lost the well, this is me. <laughs> No Rolex is gone, and then I'm going to be sorry for getting the Rolex. Oh, Lord. Yeah. yeah. No domestic violence. We just said no. that. No domestic violence. If you want me to go get somebody to get your Rolex back, that can cost me my life, because people don't play when they come in to gamble. I'm going to be your ass for putting that Rolex up there to gamble your Rolex away. Why you want me to go run somebody down for your Rolex when you're a grown-ass woman and you gambled it? That's your fault. Okay. All right. I can't. So I can't, we would I just can't. walk away. Basically, if you did, if you gambled, <laughs> you gambled your articles away, then let's go. We leave it. Like, what you do? Yeah, I'm not I'm not jumping on my significant other and we're not jumping on the street gambler either. We just you out of you out with you out and you mad and you gonna be mad. 
Well, I, I'm still gonna handle them when they get home. If I pay in the money, people just know that I'm gonna be a lot still. You know what? I don't want to end on that note <laughs> at okay. all. I just, just, just one last. Okay, so y'all know how I'm really emotional and sensitive as I'm getting older, not gracefully, but as I'm getting older. <laughs> I was getting things together for the show, and I was uploading these clips and going to the YouTube. You know how they have the shorts or whatever. So I saw this. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty lady. That's what actually caught my eye. But it was talking about counterfeit or the, or the real thing. So I played it. I actually ended up playing it like probably about eight or nine times. And probably about that fourth time, of course, the emotions crept in. And I was like, oh, my God. So many different ways. I'll listen, listen to the clip first, and then we can explain it. Right before God is about to bring you the answer, the deal, the partner, counterfeits just start popping up everywhere. And they look good. I had a counterfeit in my life that I was dating one time. <laughs> I said, <laughs> you know, he looked like sunrise. But, <laughs> but he was the absolute counterfeit. Nothing about our life made sense. But the enemy is looking for this loophole. He says, right before God does the real thing, let me see if I can get you in the moment where you doubt. Let me see if I can get you in the moment where you're lacking confidence. Yeah. So, of course, this just plays on everything that I've been talking about. The waiting, the self-doubt, the, um, the imposter syndrome, just, you know, like, God, when is it going to happen? So, I'll just, have you ever been faced with or encountered a, a, a counterfeit? And I want you to think, not literally, Summer, because you know that sometimes you'll think literally. But, you know, <laughs> like she was saying for me, I was, right before God sends you that real, that real, that real breakthrough, that real, like she said, that real job or that real whatever, counterfeits pop up. And I have taken hold of so many counterfeits, so many opportunities that I, I know pretty much weren't God. But because I was impatient, I wanted to do things in my own time, and um, I just bit into it. And I don't know, Pastor Mariner, you know, he was preaching about waiting. So, and his whole thing, mm-hmm. he's not going to stop God's plan, but it'll set you back um, for your life when you, when you start taking on those, those counterfeit things. So I can definitely relate to what she's saying in the career and this purpose field because mm-hmm. And I know last week you've been talking about um, still waiting, waiting. Um, what was some of the fun we were talking about? Oh, be still and know. I'm not made to be still, but I guess God is patient. So I have to say, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I have um, in the in the in the realm of professional and my goals and stuff like that. God's had me waiting, and I and I haven't been. Patient person, right now, my husband got me a, a wonderful job that I'm sure I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative of it. This is the money and the things that I want to do. But my passion is not in there. I'm in a little bit 
season as well. I am looking to pivot my career, um, and I'm looking for a new job. Um, and so I have, I'm waiting too. And like, um, I got some good news today, but it's like kind of on the cusp of like, should I take? I took a leap of faith already, which everyone knows. So I'm just trying to figure out if I should take another leap of faith and maybe like, if I should quit this job allow it to move itself out the way for something to come. Like, am I blocking, you know, am Mm -hmm. I not doing what? But then today I got a promotion. Well, I got a raise. And so it's kind of like, is that a count? You know, is that because sometimes, you know, a way to bait you is to give you a raise and make you think that, okay, you can, okay, I can stay here a little longer. no, yeah. but you know that you're not being fed. You know that you're not growing. You know that you're not being challenged. You're not appreciated. You know that you want more for yourself, and you know that you've been praying, and you're like, okay, God, you know what? Am I going to get it? And then you think, okay, well, maybe he's saying, no, just stay here a little longer. But then, mm-hmm. like, the next day after the whole high wears off, you're just like, it's still the same. It's like smoke and mirrors. Yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally get that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I definitely get that. I believe I'm in a season where I believe God is going to bless me. I do think, like y'all was saying, uh, I took a leap of faith to left my current job into this position. Um, I'm not only even looking at it as counterfeit, I'm just looking at it as a stepping stone. Where I know. By this time next year, I'm going to be almost where I want to be, if not where I want to be. So I look at it as like a stepping stone where I'm taking my stepping stones and getting a salary that I want close to where I want to be getting to. So when the next position comes, I can tell them I'm making X, Y, and Z. If you want me to move in, what I need my salary to be. So that can be where I want to be. So I don't even look at it as a counterfeit. Sometimes you got to play like these dogs play you. And you got to use it to your benefit to where, hey, I got this position, they pay me X, Y, and Z. If I want this position, I need to take that. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Well, they're raised. I'm away with that raised. And then other dogs call, you better tell them. They they pay me this, and if, if I gotta come out of my house and all that, I need X, Y, and Z. Absolutely, I I, mm-hmm. I have. I mean, I you know I I know my worth. I know what I'm looking for, and I know what God wants me to have. And so now it's just waiting on that. And I'm just like, uh, you know, I put in my time. I talked to my friend today, and I was just like, how do you? One thing I asked, I was like, I'm asking God <clears throat> during this time that I'm by myself. Is like how do I how am I supposed to be grateful for something that I know um, is is coming out of chaos and toxicity? Like how how are you how how can you be grateful for that when you know it's it's a mess? Write it down for me. Write it down. No, break that down. What, what, explain that a little bit more. Oh well, I'm just saying like my current situation, like my current work situation, is not like a happy, healthy type of situation. It's very undervalued, underappreciated. It's um, 
it's just not cohesive to like my mental, my physical, like there's no room for growth. I am like boxed in. I cannot grow. I cannot stretch. I just feel like I'm, you know, just placed in a box on the shelf. And it's just kind of like a robot, do what you do. And I just feel like in the midst of that, like, it's kind of like someone, you know, um, like if we use domestic violence, like someone who continues to beat on you, but then they bring you flowers and that's supposed to make it okay. Right. So how are you supposed to be grateful in the midst of toxicity and chaos, basically is what I'm saying. Like, granted, I am grateful because, like, there are a lot of people out there who don't have a job, who are not getting raises. So that's not the part that I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, once, you know, it wears off and that goes to my bills because that's just, like, you're basically rewarding me for doing a a job well done, but you're not really rewarding me for my value and the things that I bring to the table. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. It really does. Okay, so being that we're, we're we're just talking, so this is my question then. Totally different situation, but if waiting on God to do something for you, just like totally waiting on God, is a test, a spiritual test. We both know mm-hmm. all three of us know what that is. If that is a test, what posture are you supposed to take in the test for you to pass it? Because are you failing the test when you perhaps are going through depression behind the weight? Perhaps you have many meltdowns where you just make cuts like this and boo-hoo cry. You do a summer cry, a summer cry behind cuts like this. Is this, is this. is this passing the test or am I supposed to pass through the test, you know, unbruised, untouched? Strong and just like you know, like like a, a soldier. I asked myself that question later, early in the day, but when I was watching, I said, "Am I being weak? Am I not passing the test? Is that why God has not moved me further along?" And then I I got an image, so I think I answered my own question. I got an mm-hmm. image in my head of the picture of Jesus uh, when he was carrying the cross and he was on one knee, and it spoke to my spirit that. He passed that test not because he walked straight through the city without feeling pain, without feeling hurt, without feeling agony, without crying out to his father. He passed that test because he didn't give up. And that answered Mm -hmm. me. I was like, even through all of that depression and crying and feeling like a failure, feeling like it's not going to happen, I still keep going back to church because I believe in God. And I have that. So hopefully that is my answer. So
two assists on every foul off everybody he had. But he got double for his trouble because he still believed that God was going to see him through. And he never gave up. He still worshiped the God of his salvation and allowed all of that to happen. His wife told him to curse God and die. But he told God, he told God, no, he wanted to shave his head and he still worshiped. Well, sometimes God is testing our faith. And see, if your, faith is, if your faith is never tested, that, that means you're weak. But if you can't say, you know what, God, I'm still going to trust you in the midst of this. No matter what happens, when people lose love, when God, I'm still going to trust you in the midst of this. Make it more relevant. So, for instance, the woman wanted to lost her child. She said, daughter, I'm okay because I know what I got. But most friends will almost lose their mind if their child died or work different things like that. She still trusted God to curb her too. Well, most people would say, you know what? God, you allow this to happen? Almost that's the answer. A mom loses her, ch- her, her child at an early age or anyone from zero, maybe the 10, or in a tragic accident. Some people see how, see how faith you believe that there was a perfect for this, and God's still going to get the world out of it. And they don't give up. Oh, like with Job, he lost his kids and everything. House, all his wealth, everything is gone. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I understand. See, the thing is that, that that I don't understand, and I would love to have someone to break it down for me. Like, I feel like sometimes when uh, you know, they preach about things like that. They use like large instances or large situations that make sense versus the things like like we're going through will, like a job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They use large things like grief, they use large things like divorce. Like I know this firsthand. Like he kept my mind I, I get that part. But mm-hmm. bring it down a little bit more to mm-hmm. when you don't want to be and a position, a just at a job that's just not serving you at all. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I, I understand that. Like you lose your parents and you lose your child. That's big, large things, and you, you know, he's gonna keep you through that type of stuff and the pain. But so maybe God knows right now the blessing He's gonna bless you with. Right now you can't handle that blessing, but He's preparing you for that blessing. Because maybe the job that he got for you is going to blow your mind. So he's getting, he's getting you prepared for that blow your mind. Because it could be a job where you don't even qualify for the position. So he's preparing you. Maybe in front of your next job could pay you over six figures. Something that you That's don't cool. qualify for. God placed you in that position. Because it was your time. It was your season. If he's so many of us want our popcorn blessing. We want it when we want it and how we want it. And God said, not right now. Because if I expose you to this blessing too soon, you might miss mm-hmm. handle So maybe I, I, I want you to work on yourself before I give you this position. So when I give it to you, you know how to cherish it. And when I give it to you, you know God gave it to you and not a king. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get that part too. I, I understand that, and I just feel like there's just 
you're asking, you're waiting, you you know, especially if you've been in, say, a position and you knew that, like, you know, three years in, five years in, you're like, okay, now this is not for me, I want to move up, or, you know, and now you really diligently are looking and you are asking God, like, you know, okay, so what am I supposed to learn, what am I supposed to, you know, and it's just still a day-to-day type of thing, it's like, okay, well, what am I supposed to learn out of this? What, how am I supposed to grow out of it? You know what I'm saying? Like some, sometimes it's not coming that easy. So it's just kind of, for us, of course, we are flesh. And so we're like, okay, well, give me a tangible thing. Like if I need to stop fussing customers out, you know, yeah. you want to say that specifically, like, okay, now I, know I need to calm down on that. But, you know, when you say that, you you know, he's preparing me, it's kind of hard when you're in the flesh to be like, okay, well, what are you preparing me for? But I think maybe we want to help. We want to help him. Like, okay, let me help you. Let me show you that I don't want to cut customers out no more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's so. why I say sometimes we have to wait in, in him. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com 
for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.